Say neighbor, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. And so last week we started talking about how important it was to have these plans as we get ready to go into 2017. And how many of you know, Pastor Sean said it earlier, if you don't do anything different in 2017, then 2017 will look just like your 2016. Amen. And in some cases, your 2015 and your 2014 and your 2013. If you don't do something different, then nothing changes. And so on last week, we were talking about having these God-centered plans. And we went through a lot of scripture, but there's two of them I want to revisit before we get into today's message. On, your, on last week, we talked about Proverbs 29 and 18. And you don't have to necessarily turn to it at the moment. Uh, if you were here last week, you wrote it down. If not, I encourage you to go listen to the message. As Pastor Sean said, it is free uh, on the website for you to listen to. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if they're up there yet, but I can also place the notes from last week there. So there's no reason for you not to have access to this information. Amen. But Proverbs 29 and 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision or revelation, the people cast off restraint. It says, but happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, we talked on last week about how important having a vision is. You need to have a vision for your, for your uh, vocational uh, part of your life. You need to have a vision for the physical and well-being part of your life. You need to have a vision for your marriage, a vision for your kids, and a vision for your money. Amen? And then we also said that collectively we got to have a vision for our ministry. The Bible then, we, we, we went on to read then in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3, which says this. It says, write the vision. So Proverbs tells us we got to have a vision. we got to get a vision. Amen? Right. And how many of you know that when you get a vision, it's not something you just go home and make up? Right. Your vision ought to come from the Lord. Because nobody knows your life like the Lord. In, in, in fact, there is no better person to know the design of a thing than the manufacturer of a thing. Right. And the Lord is our manufacturer. Amen? Yeah. And so there's no, even though you may have great insight to your life, you don't know everything God wants to do for you unless you communicating with God about your life. Amen. So Proverbs says, get a vision. It says, and then when you get the vision, it says, keep it so you don't cast off restraint and do things that end up working against your vision. And then Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 says, when you get it, write it down. It says, and make it plain upon ta on tables that he may run that readeth it. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. And, in no, and it shall not lie, even though it may tarry. It says, wait on it, because it will surely come to pass. And so last week when we were talking about making these God-centered plans, the thing we had to say is that you had to look at your life as a marathon and not a sprint. Amen? Everybody wants everything they can think of today. But how many of you know that's not how everything works? When, and we, and the, the Bible tells us that we can look at natural things and that we can glean spiritual things from it. We know that a woman becomes pregnant. She would love to have the baby immediately, but it takes nine months for the gestation period to happen. Amen? And so you can't rush that process. But how many of you know in the midst of the process you can be preparing? And I think that's the thing that we miss sometimes. God gives us a vision, and what we want to happen is to just have that vision come to pass, and we miss the preparation for the vision. And so last week, we started talking about how important it was to plan for the vision. As you know, and Pastor Sean alluded to this earlier, she said that once you're born again, the number one thing that we believe you have to be instructed in is faith. The Bible says that all the promises of God are received how? 
by faith. So if God makes you a promise, the only way you can obtain that promise is, is through what? Faith. And so as you began to read and study, and we were talking about all of these plans, I told you on last week that the Lord had been working with me about this message about integrity. And so today I want to talk about how you mix integrity with your faith. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Integrity, integrity is God's God. greatest virtue. It is God's greatest virtue. How do you know? Because everything we believe about God is based on the integrity of his word. Because how many of you have actually been to heaven? Okay. How many of you actually ever saw Jesus? Okay. How many of you actually have ever talked to anybody who died and went to heaven and came back? Okay. How do you actually know that there is a heaven? Why do you keep believing that? Off of the integrity of God's word. And if you don't have integrity, your word is worth nothing. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is what does the word of God say about integrity? And why is it so important for us to operate in integrity, not just for other people, but even for us? Because you realize that you know whether or not you keep your word. It's not just other people. You know whether you keep your word. You know whether you are a person who, if you say, hey, I'm going to come by and pick you up at 10 o'clock, you know whether you're going to really go by and pick them up at 10 o'clock or if it's going to be closer to 12. Your integrity says everything about you. And the great thing about it is if you have good integrity, it will speak for you even in your absence. What do I mean? I mean that if you are a person who practices integrity, you can be in a situation where you're not even there, say on your job, and someone says, you know what, I think Rich did that. But if Rich has had good integrity, people will go, nah, that don't seem like Rich. Your integrity will speak for you even when you can't speak for yourself. But your integrity will also speak for you when you can't speak for yourself in the opposite way. If you got a habit of always not doing your work, and then you go to work, and you actually did the work that time, but somebody thinks somebody didn't do something, and they blame you, and you're not there? They're going to be like, oh, yeah, they didn't do it. Why? Because who you are, what's, what your integrity, what it says about you, is always talking. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, my integrity, my integrity is always, always telling, someone telling someone something, something about me. About me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's look here in 2 Peter. Chapter 1. Let's begin in 2 Peter, chapter 1. The title of this message is Integrity, the Necessary Ingredient for Our Faith. Integrity, the Necessary Ingredient for Our Faith. The Bible says all of the promises of God come by faith. And if all of God's promises come by faith, then my faith has to have integrity mixed with it. Amen. So let's just take a look at this this morning just real quick and see this is kind of an extension on what we were talking about. Because here's the thing. If you don't become or if you don't continually work on being a person of integrity, when you begin to share your dreams and goals with people who may actually be able to help you, they don't put any faith in you. Because you, if, if you're the kind of person who's always making promises and always saying what you're going to do, and you have these great ideas, but you never follow through, eventually people will start to discount your ideas. They'll start to discount all of the things that you are really capable of doing because your integrity says you won't follow through. 
So here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. I'm read, they have the New King James Version. I'm going to read out of the, um, the ESV, but we'll end up at the same place. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's writing this letter. It says, to them uh, that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Say this. Say, I am, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. In Christ. So Peter's writing this to you. Yeah. Amen. So this don't, don't see this letter as a letter that he just wrote to the people in northern Galatia. He's writing this letter to you today. It says grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It says according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Say, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 4 says, whereby are we given unto us exceeding great and precious what? Promises. How do all of God's promises come? By it says that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Verse 5 says, and besides this, giving all diligence. Now watch what he says in verse 5. He says, add to your what? Faith. What does it say? Add to your Do what? To, that means you have a measure of faith that God has given you, but in order for you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, you got to add something to this faith. Amen. You got to add something to it. Faith is great. Every man was given a measure of it when he was born again. But in order for that faith to become, uh, how many know just because you got flour, you don't have a cake? Just because you got eggs don't mean you got a cake. Just because you got bacon, so don't mean you got a cake. If you don't add those things together, you never have a cake. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you have faith. Just because you come to church and have faith doesn't mean your faith, your faith is going to work. You've got to add something to your faith. And he says, here's what you got to add. Virtue. Now the question becomes, what is Virtue. When you define virtue, virtue is behavior that shows a high moral standard. He says you got to have faith, but you got to have some morals with your faith. You got to be a person. The Bible says that faith without works is what? You can't be a person who's talking about faith and never doing anything. You have low moral standards where your faith is concerned. He says, so you got to add to your faith virtue, high moral standards. He says, and then to your high moral standards, you got to add some knowledge. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, he says, with all thy getting, get what? Understanding. So you got to get some, you got to get more than information. It's got to translate from being information into being wisdom. Because watch this. If I know I have information, I should not eat a lot of sugar. That's good information, right? But if I eat a lot of sugar, knowing I shouldn't eat a lot of sugar, is that wisdom? No. no. So I got to take information from the word of God and then apply it to my life appropriately so it becomes wisdom for my life. 
He says, and to virtue knowledge and knowledge, he says, we got to add self-control. And self-control with what? Steadfastness. In other words, he says, once you learn that you don't let everything that happens move you. Just because it didn't work out the way you planned doesn't mean you move off what God said. When Pastor Sean was talking about having good marriages and people not planning for the bad times, steadfastness says we are in this till we die. And we may have some bad times, but bad times don't make us quit. That's, that's what it means when, when we've heard all the teachings Sertrick's given us this year and we've been doing some of them and some of them we ain't been doing it. Some of us we've been doing all of it. Some of us we ain't been doing none of it. It doesn't matter where you are today. You can have a steadfastness that says I'm going to go back and get that information and I'm not going to let what I didn't do move me off of it. I'm going to continue to do it now and then move forward. Tell your neighbor, you got to learn to be steadfast. But you can't be steadfast if you lack self-control. Because if you lack self-control, you will respond to every external stimuli that there is. And every time something happens, you'll be changing. Every time somebody say something, you'll be changing. You talk to your friends who are godly and you for God. You talk to your other friends who say, girl, keep it real. Now you're keeping it real. You got to learn how to be steadfast. You got to learn to have self-control and be steadfast. It says, and then once you become steadfast, it says, add to that godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection and with love. It says, for if these qualities, I love this, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. It's not enough enough. to get these qualities qualities. and that be it. That's right. As a believer, we go from faith to faith, level to level, and glory to glory. So if you got godliness today, your godliness today ought not be the same level two years from now. Your your godliness should have increased. If you got a little self-control today, that's good. Maybe you don't cuss people out every week. But a year from now, it ought to be decreasing how you cuss people out. Amen? Maybe you don't maybe you haven't mastered self-control over the things you shouldn't be eating. Maybe you're doing better. But how many of you know that a year from now you ought to be doing better than you are now? Somebody said it when they were doing praise and worship. Uh, I think it may have been St. She said we're champions. How many know champions are always getting better? Yeah. Ah, I'm working in right now. I'm working in right now. So this week, <laughs> this week, I, I had an opportunity to participate. In, in this professional development, and, I, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not crazy about professional development, especially when it's sit and get, when I just gotta sit and just gotta listen to you talk the whole time, because that's what we tell people they shouldn't do with kids. But then we do it to adults for eight hours. I digress. So anyway, we was in this professional development, and they were going through this thing called practice perfect, or perfect, I think it was practice perfect, or, or perfect practice. And, and one of the things that they said in there was so amazing because what it said was is they were talking about this soccer team. And they said it was this soccer team who was really, 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 really good. But they practiced this particular drill every single day. And they were so good at it, but they practiced it every day. They did it every day. It didn't matter what they was doing. And they didn't just do it. They did it with this level of excellence like they had never done it before. They were paying so attention to detail because the idea was is if they could practice perfectly, they could begin to do it with some automaticity. And when you begin to do things with automaticity, it frees your mind up to think about other things. Come on now. Right. And I was like, yo, that's a biblical principle. 
I don't know what they said for the next 10 minutes because I started looking at my Bible. But what I do know <laughs> is that if you learn to obey God automatically, if it doesn't become this thing where God says something, you got to figure out, well, do I want to do that? Should I do it? If I do do it, this is going to happen. Well, if I don't, how much? See, sometimes what we do with God is like what I used to do with my mama. My mama used to tell me not to do something, and I would always figure out, well, how much trouble am I really going to get in? Because that was the question. Was it just going to be a, a belt whooping or a hand whooping? Because if that's what it was, I could deal with that. The question was, how much trouble? And we do God like that. God say, don't do something. We be like, well, how much trouble would I get if I do it? But when you practice to become perfect, when you practice to become excellent, what you end up doing is you get to this place where you're obeying God so automatically that your mind is not even worried about whether you're going to do it or not. You're focused on the vision. And so literally, like God is saying, do this, and you just like, okay. Now God's saying, do this, you're just doing it, because you're, you're, you're not having these gaps where you're having to spend time trying to decide whether you obey God or not. He says, he says so what we've got to learn to do then, he says, we've got to learn to be people who obey God. We have to be increasing, amen? We have to be increasing. Now, every time we increase in the word of God, we know that, that, that things for our life get better, amen? Say, so every time. I obey God, my life gets better. And so one of the things I started thinking about is, okay, let's take a look in the word of God and see what happens in a practical sense when people obey God where integrity was concerned. If you look in the dictionary for the word integrity, what you will find is almost always a definition that includes this word, wholeness. The word wholeness. That word wholeness is the same word we find when we look at the word shalom. Or we look at the word peace. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. So almost always when you look up the word integrity, you're going to find this word called wholeness. Because the very word integrity itself has the idea of that which is wholehearted, that which is completely honest, and that which is completely true. And so when you start talking about adding integrity to your faith, it means that your faith is being completely honest. Your faith is wholehearted and your faith is completely true. And when you have that kind of faith, that kind of faith will cause you to walk in the things that God has promised. Amen. Amen. In fact, what I did is I did a little uh, Bible study uh, for myself where I wanted to take a look at, at how many times the word integrity showed up in the Bible. How many times it showed up? And so I went to look to see how many times integrity showed up in the Bible. And it's amazing at how many times it actually shows up. So this morning, what I want to do real quick is give you five. I think there's, there's five scriptures. I want you to write them down and then we'll read them. So write the first one down. Proverbs 11 and 3. Those of you that are taking notes, write this down. Proverbs 11 and 3 is our first one. The second one is Proverbs 10 and 9. So it's Proverbs 11 and 3. Proverbs 10 and 9, Psalms 25 and 21, Proverbs 20 and 7, and Proverbs 19 and 1. Real quick again, Proverbs 11 and 3, Proverbs 10 and 9, Psalms 25 and 21, Proverbs 20 and 7, and Proverbs 19 and 1. Amen? Now, let's take a look at these scriptures because this is going to create the foundation of the four principles I want to give you today. And someone asked me one time, they said, why when you teach do you always do that? Because I believe if you can lump information together, it helps people to remember it. 
If you can lump that information together, it helps you to remember it. And my goal is not to preach to you to make you get excited. It's to preach to you to make you want to go say, hmm, I ought to do something with this. If you leave bored but empowered, I'm cool with that. I'd rather you leave bored and empowered than to leave excited and don't do nothing when you leave. And the problem with a lot of churches is that they want to excite you. And I believe that there ought to be excitement. That's why we have such great praise and worship. But this is school time. This is learning time. This ain't sleep time. This is the time where you dig in and you go, okay, let me figure out what I'm going to do next week to improve my life. So let's look at this. Proverbs 11 and 3. Proverbs 11 and 3, we may reread out a different translation, but we'll end up at the same place. Proverbs 11 and 3 says this. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Now, look, the, the integrity of who? The upright. What is it going to do? Guide. Integrity will make you make the right decision even when you don't know what to do. Because the question becomes, is does, what I'm about to do, what would God say about it? Come on. Would this please God? Would this honor God? Would, would, would this somehow bring shame upon me, upon my, my, my family, upon my, upon my church? If, if, if it's going to do that, then integrity says, don't do it. Here's what integrity also does. Integrity says, don't do it even if you think you're not going to get caught. Because a lot of times integrity is, a lot of times what people's decisions are based on is, if I do it, will anybody find out? Come on. Come on. But I know you don't, if you grew up in the last hundred years, you had a grandma who told you, whatever is done in the dark. So we've heard that, and what she was talking about was your integrity. She says, if you don't guard your integrity, it's going to come out. How many of you know the devil has this neck? He has this knack about letting something you did years ago just fester and show up just at the wrong time. Just at the wrong time. And so the integrity says that if you live your life in a certain way, it doesn't matter what the time is. Because what you have done has always been in integrity. Proverbs 10 and 9. It says, whoever walks in integrity... Walk securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Now, notice what the Bible, this is, this is from the book of wisdom. It says, whoever walks in integrity, will, he walks how? Securely. He walks in a manner that, that nothing's going to shake him. Nothing's going to throw him off. And so it's important that we understand that this, in, that, it, that, 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 that's, that's, that goes along with our faith. When you are in faith and you have integrity toward what God told you to do, you don't have those opportunities to say to yourself, well, maybe it didn't happen because I didn't do X. Anybody ever, and you ain't got to raise your hand, but anybody ever had a situation in your life where you felt like something didn't happen and in reality you blamed yourself? You was like, oh, well, I, you know, you thought all the things you didn't do and that's why I work. Integrity says if you do all the things you're supposed to, you can't have that argument with yourself. So integrity allows you to take arguments with yourself off the table. Amen? Amen. Psalms 25 and 21. It says, let integrity and uprightness pre preserve me, for I wait on them. It, if, if, if you will do what's right, even when you have to stand by yourself, it'll preserve you. 
How many, of you, how many of you understand that there may be a time in your life where God's asking you to do something? And if God asks you to do it, it's the right thing to do. But just because he asked you to do it, other people may not be willing to do it. But just because other people aren't willing to do it doesn't mean what God asked you to do is not the right thing to do. So you can't be swayed or moved by your friends when you get a word from God. In fact, we say it like this. Once you hear from God, confer no longer with flesh and blood. Because folk will talk you out of what God has talked you into so you can be in the same mess that they in. And so you have to be careful and you have to make sure that you don't let well-intended, well-meaning folk talk you out of what God's instructed you to do. And it doesn't matter how many degrees they have. It don't matter how successful they've been. It don't matter how much money they have. If it's not what God told you to do, you shouldn't be called doing it. And the reality of it is, is so many times, it's the reason, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about this. That's the reason why pastors shouldn't be telling folk, I'm the smartest person you're going to ever meet. Because pastors don't know everything. That's right. Because as much as I love each and every one of you, I don't have God's idea designed for your life. I'm trying to walk in mine, to walk in another 60 people. So, so what you've got to do is you've got to become an individual who says, I can listen to my pastor for instruction, but even when I get instruction, i got to go get uh, details from God. Yes. Your pastor told you last week, make plans for 2017. I didn't tell you what those plans were. In fact, I told you that some of your plans will be different than other people's plans. That you're going to have to prioritize your plans based on what's going on in your life. Some folks need to prioritize their finances. Somebody need to prioritize their marriage. Some folks need to prioritize their health. But if you ask God, watch this. He's smart. He'll tell you everything you need to do in the order you need to do it in. Here's what I found out about God. Sometimes God don't even tell you everything you need to work on because it would overwhelm you. So he picks an area that he knows has the opportunity to have a profound effect on other areas. So I believe that God's talking to us right now about integrity because he understands it has a profound effect on the other areas of our lives. Proverbs 20 and 7. Proverbs 20 and 7. It says, the just man walketh in his integrity. Watch this. And his children are blessed after him. His children are blessed. You can make a decision to walk integrity that has an impact on your kids. When Pastor Sean was talking about what we're going to do in the beginning of, of, of 2017 and what we're going to be talking about what a family constitution is and why wealthy families have a family constitution and why, why, why it's important and, and, and why they do it. Listen, it's because the family constitution lays out and says here is the integrity in which our family walks in. And if everybody agrees to this, there is a blessing at the end of this constitution. So if my kid, and here's the reality of it, and I say this all the time, as a, as a father, it is my responsibility to make sure my kids' basic needs are met. But Jordans aren't a basic need. Xbox One is not a basic need. All this other stuff that you love are not basic needs. You get those based on your integrity. Now, I don't know about you, but I learned that food, water, and shelter were basic needs. Once God has, you don't even need clothes. 
No, no, no. That, that, that's, that's not a basic need. There are people all over this world who live successfully without clothes. But you need food, you need water, and you need shelter. Those are your three basic needs. Watch this. Once God has provided for that, what you get is based on your integrity. See, you don't get Jordan 12s <laughs> for the fifth time when you don't walk in integrity. One, one of our family constitutions that we talk about is that we believe that people ought to be thankful. Thankfulness is important at Camp Strick. It is extreme. In, in fact, if you want to have all of your privileges just, just revolt, be ungrateful. Act like you're entitled. You'll have one pair of black sweats, one pair of white shoes, and one white shirt. And that's all you'll have. We'll wash it every day. All that other stuff, you get based on your integrity. Based on how faithful you are. The more you're thankful, the more your integrity shows, the more things you get. Well, if you can look at the natural and see how natural humans act, you can see the spiritual principle behind that. That's why we talk about having an attitude of gratitude. When you woke up this morning, God didn't owe you that. So when you wake up this morning, you don't get to be rude and be mad when you got breath. No, no, no. God woke you up. That, so based on your integrity is how you keep your breath. So when we begin to see integrity that way, we go, wait a minute. You know what, God? I'm thankful. Because how many know breath is better than Jordan 12s? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Proverbs 19 and 1. It says, better is the poor that walketh in his integrity, that he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Now listen, he didn't say it was good to be poor. Let's be clear about that. God is not into poverty. In fact, the Bible says the poor will be with you always. It didn't say you would be the poor. Right. <laughs> now, now, because people quote that scripture, but they don't quote that right. It says, he told them, he said, the poor will be with you always. If he, now watch this. If he says the poor is going to be with me, he's making a distinction between me and the poor. Now, I heard Miss Hargis in English class teach that part. Right, now, a lot of stuff I don't know, but I do know if you say they're going to be with me, then you have put us in two different categories. So, so the poor is going to be with us, but we don't have to be the poor. He says, better is the poor. Better is the poor that walketh in his in van, he that is So you ain't got to be perverse, and you ain't got to be poor. But if, but if you got to pick one, don't want to be poor and perverse. You at least <laughs> want to have some integrity while you're broke. Because watch this, people are much more willing to help someone who is broke, who is honest, than someone who is broke and dishonest. Let me tell you how I know. Because when we went to Las Vegas, 
We were in Las Vegas, and in Las Vegas, people are panhandling all the time. And this one dude had a sign that said, you know, we'll work for food, poor, da-da-da. This one dude, hey, had a sign. He said, I need money for beer. And my, one of my sons, I ain't gonna say which one, one of my sons gave the man some money. And we was like, what are you doing? He said, at least he's being honest. <laughs> at least. At least he ain't trying to shuck and jive and talk about he can't work. The man said, look, I want some money for some beer. You know, so, so at least he had some integrity about what he was doing. So the reality of it is, if you have some integrity about what you're doing, and watch this, that means when you go to God in prayer. God already know what's in your heart. You ain't got to be trying to shuck and fool God. Lord, if you bless me, I'll bless everybody. You ain't know you won't. I don't say that. I say, Lord, if you bless me, those who I love, I will bless, and those who you tell me to do, I'll obey. But the rest of it is on their own. I'm, I, because I'm not obligated to give everything I got away. So why go to God in prayer with that, with that false integrity? And so you got to be, you got to have integrity even when you're talking to God. Don't make God a promise that you know you ain't going to keep. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't make promises that you know that you're not going to keep. Don't say things like, Lord, if I just won a lottery, I'd tithe. No, you wouldn't. Listen, let me help you, okay? Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. If you cannot write a check, for five hundred dollars, yes, you're not about to write a check for five million dollars. You're just not gonna do it. You, that, the same thing that rise up in you that won't let you give on the level you in now will be screaming at you at the level you get to. And when you make that promise to God, God know you lying. So, so what you, the better thing to be is say, God help me to be a person of integrity and to tithe where I am. Just help me right here. Because if I get used to writing this $10 check, then it won't hurt when I write the 100 And then eventually I'll be writing a $1,000 check. And then I won't choke myself when I got to write a $10,000 check. And before you know it, writing checks of $100,000 and a million dollars won't be no problem because I progressed. It's the same thing with people on a smaller scale who say they're going to eat clean. They're like, I ain't going to never eat bread and sweets again. No, you lying. Unless you don't like bread and you don't like sweets, you're going to eat them again. What you should say is, Lord, help me to moderate what I eat and help me to eventually get off of them. Because when, you, when you're not in integrity to yourself, you end up failing, and the devil uses your failure to tell you why you shouldn't try again. That's right. That's good. Take your neighbor say, I am, I am a, person a person of integrity. Of say, I will not, I will not be, poor, be poor, and I will not, I will not be, perverse. be perverse. Amen, amen, amen. So now let's take a small look at some folk in the Bible who we recognize very well and see how integrity paid into their life. Psalm 78 and 72. In Psalm 78 and 72, we see what the Lord had to say about David's integrity. Now, how many know that King David was a man of integrity? Did that mean that he didn't make any mistakes? No. Having integrity doesn't mean you don't make a mistake. Having integrity says when it's brought to your attention, you own it. You own it. You don't try to pass blame. You don't try to get out of it. If you made the mistake, integrity says you own up to the mistake. And you deal with it and its consequences. 
People can, you know, people can, people mess up all the time. But you ever notice that the people who mess up and go, you know what, I made a mistake, I blew it, I was the one in charge of it, I'm asking you to forgive me. Even if people don't like them, over time people forgive them. You know who folk, the people, folk don't forgive? The folk who just lie and try to get it, and just try to deflect and get, and get all the issue off of it, never take any responsibility. Because the reality of it is all of us know that at some point we're going to mess up. We want somebody to forgive us when we mess up. So what we got to learn to do with integrity is that when a person, is when we mess up, accept responsibility. Now look at this, Psalm 78 and 72. It says, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. In this particular passage, the text is telling us that the thing that made David's reign as king so wonderful was that he was a man who performed the task of leadership with integrity. On your job, if you're leading people, you got to lead with integrity. You can't be a person on your job who say one thing to, 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 to Rich and, and, and get him on your side and then go say another thing to Sean and get her on your side. I can't tell you the number of people I've worked for who do that in the office. And all that does is create a toxic work environment. Why? Because folk talk. And so what, what, what becomes clear is that folk can't trust what you say. Here's a rule. Never say or put anything in writing you don't want somebody to repeat. Because, because they're going to repeat. <laughs> Have you ever told, look, I'm going to tell you, but don't tell nobody. And what does that person do? They tell somebody else and what do they tell them? I'm going to tell you. And then what do they do? I'm going to tell you. So now 16 people know who don't know tell nobody. That's just how it works. And you got to know that. So a person of integrity says, I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. Whatever I say about you, I say to your face. Now, not in a bad way, but, but, I, but I'm saying, I'm not going to say something about Chris that I wouldn't say to Chris. And, 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 and what happens to hold people accountable for integrity, if someone brings you something that sounds like something some, some, somebody wouldn't say, you ain't got to spend all that time with all this mistriangulation. You simply go, well, you know what, let's go ask them. Right. Yes. It'll shut everything down. Somebody come and tell me, well, Kenosha says so. Really? Okay, come on. Let's go talk to Kenosha about it. Because, and then what happens is people find out, here's what happened. People find out real quick that they can't do that with you. So they move to somebody else, which is why when we started this church, we said to you, we are going to be very fierce about that kind of culture in our church because that kind of culture in a church is dangerous you don't let somebody in this church come and talk to you about somebody else in this church if they do it you'd redirect them back to that person yes and that's just how it's got to be. You don't get to come and talk to me about somebody else. Because if you come talk to me, those of you who've done it before, I always say, have you talked to so-and-so? Because if you ain't talked to so-and-so, you're out of bounds by talking to me first. And here's what happens so often. We'll teach something or we'll say something or we'll do something that you don't like. That's just how life is. I don't expect you to like everything that I say. Heck, I don't like everything you say. But the reality of it is, is that we live in a culture where everybody don't like everything. But that don't mean I got to go out and talk about you because of it. That's if it's a big enough deal that I don't like it, I should come and talk to you about it. If it's not big enough deal for me to talk to you about it, then I shouldn't be talking to somebody else about it. 
So if I start teaching about tithing and you don't like tithing, that's cool. But you ain't got to go try to find six other people who don't like tithing and cause a revolt. Or the same thing with fasting, or the same thing with Black Lives Matter, or the same thing with anything that we teach. Because the reality of it is, is that if we are going to be family, as sometimes family don't always agree. But integrity says we don't fall out of relationship. Now that, now, now that goes to the culture of a healthy church. The culture of a healthy church is the church is able to have crucial conversations. You can't have a crucial conversation without integrity. It's the reason so many relationships fall apart. Because the truth of the matter is husband and wives have never, um, they, they, they've never um, got to the point where they can really have crucial conversations. Having a blow up and cussing each other out ain't got a crucial conversation. That's an emotional conversation that resolves nothing. Come on. Because unless you just are the kind of person who draws back, when somebody come at you, even if you don't come at them with the same veracity, you're going to do something to push them back up off you. A crucial conversation says, I can listen to everything you have to say about me, even when the stuff you're saying is stingy. And I'm not listening so that I can respond. I'm listening for understanding. And then once I listen for understanding, I can say back to you, here's what I hear you're saying. Here's what I hear you say I'm doing. And if I don't get it right, then the person goes, no, that's not what I said. What I said was this. And then you work through that conversation. That's what integrity looks like. Yes. Integrity don't look like, well, you know what, I just ain't going to talk to you, you don't talk to me. How are you going to live in the same house and you don't talk to each other? It's just not possible. Hey, hey, how, how does integrity work on your job when you say, well, you know what? I just ain't going to help them no more. Did not helping them impacts the bottom line for everybody. So we got to make sure, we got to make sure that we're functioning in proper integrity. Amen? Let's look at 1 Chronicles 29 and 17. 1 Chronicles 29 and 17. Here we're still talking about David. David says this, I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. So there are times that, watch this, God is asking you to do something so that you can see the integrity of your own heart. Yes. I hate when people say God's testing you to see what you're about. God already knows what you're about. A test comes so it illuminates you so that you can see where you are. Because how many of you know that sometimes we can overestimate ourselves? Okay. Mm -hmm. We absolutely overestimate ourselves. We, 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 have this, we have these, you're right, we have these ideas of this granular state that we're in. And we think, oh my God, I'm so grandiose and I can do this and I can do that. But when the thing comes, like, i give you an example. So I watch some videos on YouTube sometimes and they were talking about how important it is that when you are carrying your firearm, that you always understand that when there's a threat, that you make sure that there's a certain distance between you. Because the reality of it is, is that most people don't understand that you can close 20 to 30 feet quicker than someone can draw and shoot. So, so you can't just be up popping off talking about talking about you, you're going to get got. So I was watching this video, and in the video, what they were simply saying was, is that you have to make sure you don't overestimate your abilities. It says, so if you see a threat, it was talking about always making sure you back up to give yourself more room so that people can't close that distance. Well, the reality of it is, most of us, we feel like this. If we, if we have a gun, we're like, if somebody come up and do something to me, I take my gun and I start shooting. Well, that sounds great. But when your adrenaline gets to going and your mind gets to rushing, if you haven't practiced perfect, 
If you ain't practiced drawing and shooting, you're going to get got. They're going to take your gun from you. They're going to injure you. They're going to hurt you. Well, the same thing is true when we deal with the devil. See, I try to give you something natural to move you something spiritual. So the same thing is true with the devil. You think, oh, the devil ain't nothing. The devil can't do nothing. And before you know it, he has gently reeled you in real close to where he is. He got a, he got a hook in your mouth like a fish and you don't even know it. He's just reeling you in. Because the Bible says we are drawn away by the of our So the thing he used as bait was you. The thing he used as bait was you. He found out what was in your heart, and because you didn't deal with what was in your heart, you overestimated your abilities, and the devil yes. threw a hook out there and reeled you in. But integrity says, I am willing to deal with the issues that I have in my life so they don't become my downfall. And sometimes that means having to be transparent in the most vulnerable way. And I tell people, if you don't want to be vulnerable with your pastor, that's cool. Find you a good counselor. Amen. Can I be honest? Some of that stuff that you got to deal with, I, I don't want to hear that. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I just simply mean I am not a trained, licensed counselor. I can give you good information about what the Lord says, but there are people who have been trained. What You wouldn't go to your dentist for heart surgery, right? Even though he has been to medical school. But your teeth and your heart don't work the same way. So while I'm a pastor, I don't, I don't overestimate myself into thinking I have the answer for every one of your problems. What I do know is that there are experts who can help you navigate your life. Integrity says, don't try to be everything for everybody. Some of y'all, and, and that means that sometimes when your friends come to you, you ought to just say to your friends, baby, I don't know. No, I'm serious. Sometimes your friends come to you and you're like, oh, girl, oh, you're like, hey, man, this will be. Listen, I don't know. I ain't been in that situation. I don't know what I would do. I can't stand when people say, well, if it was me, if it was you, you'd be in the situation. Right. <laughs> people say that all the time. Well, if that was me, I'd leave him. But that's why you don't have nobody. You, you, under, you understand? You, you don't have nobody because in every situation you was in, you left. So you got to be careful about, about mining information from people like that. I need to talk to some folk who said when it was a bad, here's what I did to work it out. If my goal is to stay. And so integrity says I got to make sure that, there, that sometimes I don't even need to give my, my thoughts to somebody else. Sometimes I just need to tell people, I don't know. Let's pray about it together. Let's just pray, because I don't know. I tell you something, you be alone, I still be over here with my spouse. I shouldn't tell you nothing right now. So David says, listen, God test us so that we can see what's in our heart. This tells us two things. First, that God does indeed search the human heart. Secondly, what God is looking for inside the human heart is the quality or the virtue of integrity. See, you got to have faith, but your faith must be mixed with integrity. Amen. Remember, we read the scripture that says, if you walk in integrity, your children will be blessed. We see this in the life of David. Let's look at what happened with his David walked in integrity. Let's see what happened with his son. Go to first Kings nine, four through five. First Kings nine, four through five. Here's what the Lord said to Solomon. He says, as for you. Now, watch this. If you will walk before me in integrity, 
of your heart and in uprightness as David your father did and do all I have commanded and observe my decrees and laws. He says, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. Now notice what he told him. He said, if you'll do what your daddy did, I'll do greater for you than what I did for your daddy. That's how your kids get blessed. You walk in integrity, you set your kids up so that your ceiling becomes their floor. So wherever you end it, your kids ain't starting over. They starting right where you ended and taking it on high. Can, can I just be real with you for just a moment and, and, and just say this in, in just the most natural and rawest way I can? This has been the problem with African-American families. Most of the time what happens is we have a generation that builds and then the next generation has to build again. And the next generation has to build again. And the so we're, we're 15 generations away, and no one is better off than the first generation that lived. I think about the people who, are, who, who, who were the, some of the first African Americans to be able to buy homes. And they bought a house, and they stayed in those houses for 30 and 40 years, and they sent their kids to school, even though they never went to college. They sent their kids to school, and their kids went to school, and their kids got degrees. Well, the kids didn't want to go back to that hometown, so they lived their own life, which was fine. But the land that they had, that because they saw no value in the land, they didn't pay the taxes on the land, they didn't take care of it, and so that land ended up going back to the county or going back to the state, and then somebody else bought it, and now what was supposed to have been an inheritance belongs to somebody else. So now you live in another city and you live in the suburbs and things are great for you. But if you don't build something, your kids will be doing the exact same thing. The difference between African-Americans and people who are Jewish and people who are Asian and people even who are Hispanic and the people who are white is that they have learned long ago that you've got to build on something that's been built rather than trying to rebuild every single time. And that's just the truth. And you don't have to like it, but it's the truth. The reality of it is, is that if we ever understand it, we can change it. Because the Bible says that anytime you can see, hear, and understand, you shall be converted or changed into the thing you understood. So integrity says, I'm going to live a life that my kids don't have to start over. So one of the things that my wife and I was, was dedicated to, she has student loans, she has student loans, I have student loans. Thank God we can pay them back. But our goal was that our kids would never have student loans. I had a phone bill in my name when I was eight. Had bad credit before I ever got started with credit. We vowed we wouldn't do that to our kids. So you, if everybody takes some steps, then a few generations from now, our kids' kids will be living far better than we ever lived. And that ought to be the goal. Integrity says, I am good. The Bible says a good father leaves an inheritance. Watch this. To his children's children. I work with this lady, and she, 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 she's, she's Jewish, and, um, and she, talk, she, she talked about how she, her daughter just had Jacob, and Jacob, I think, is like eight months or whatever. They have already put money back and even took out life insurance policies on their life so that when they pass, Jacob goes to college for free. She's not, she not planning for her kids. She's planning for her grandkids. They're planning for their grandkids so their kids don't, aren't burdened 
by raising their kids, they can plan for their, their grandkids. What we do in a lot of time is just trying to take care of the next generation. In fact, or ourselves. In fact, you talk to a lot of people and you start asking them, what plans have you made for your grandkids? What grandkids? They be able to take care of themselves. Or, or I ain't got no, they don't have any plans for their grandkids. You say, well, I don't know how many grandkids they're going to have. Well, how many could you take care of? Come on. I got five kids. If they all just had one. Right. <laughs> I got a plan for five. Now, now, they came from a big family. They happen to love their big family. So they're talking about having a big family. So we got some work to do. We got some work to do. But the reality of integrity says, I don't wait till they have kids to start working on it. Integrity says, I start working on it right now. I start putting it top of mind to think, I got to live a life so that when I'm gone, even if my grandkids don't know me, they know that their life exists the way it exists because of what grandpa did. Yeah, you, you don't think the Waltons love Sam? Come on. He got generations that weren't even born before Sam died. But they love him. Because everything they got is a result of it. You can live your life in such a way that it creates such a legacy for your family that your name is always spoken of. But it starts with you being intentional, Amen. Let's look at Proverbs 10. And, well, we read Proverbs 10 and 9 and, 10 and Proverbs 11 and 3. Let's look at Proverbs 13 and 6. Proverbs 13 and 6 says, Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Righteousness guards the man of integrity. So if you do what's right because it's right, it says the Lord will guard you. You do, integrity is doing what's right because it's the right thing to do. Pastor made this example a few weeks ago, I think it was. As Christians, sometimes we turn things that are not supposed to be blessings into blessings. If you go to the bank and you deposit your check and your check is $500 and they give you back $700 because some of them bills were stuck together, that's not a blessing. That is a mistake. And integrity says, even if I don't figure it out till I get home, I either call the bank or I go back to the bank and I say to them, I came through the line and I got $200 too much. And, if, and even if they say, no, we gave you the right amount, you say, I'm telling you, you gave me too much. I know how much I had, and it didn't include two more hundred dollar bills. Because, see, it'd be different if it was $5, because you might not really know, but most folks know how many hundreds they got. Now, let's just be real. <laughs> it's been time where I have some, some change in my pocket, my kids get something. I thought, I thought I had a 10 left in here, you know, something like that. You know where you got 100. You ain't lost no hundred dollar bill. You're like, you know, oh, I thought I had another. No, you know. So integrity says, I go to the bank and I tell them because if I don't, if I just go, oh Lord, the windows of heaven have opened for me. The Lord has showered down blessings. No, He hasn't done that. Someone made a mistake and gave you too much money. You give it back because if you don't, you could cost somebody their job. You say, well, that's their problem. Maybe so. But if you were in that situation, how would you want somebody else to handle it? Integrity says, I do what's right because it's right. Proverbs 29 and 10. 
Proverbs 29.10 says, Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity, and they seek to kill the upright. Now, now here it says, it always says like this, the bloodthirsty hate the blameless. That word blameless means, to, it means integrity. It says, bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity, and they seek to kill the upright, or the upright, uh, but, but the upright seek his well-being. In other words, here's what it's saying. When you start to operate integrity, your uh, excellence in integrity always exposes someone else's lack of integrity. And whenever you expose somebody's lack of integrity, they get angry at you. Here's what they say. Well, you think you're better than anybody else. That's how, that's how you know when you're dealing with an integrity issue. When you got friends who tell you that you think you're better, it's an integrity issue. Because you're mad at me for doing the right thing. Right. You're mad at me because I won't do what you want me to do when we both know that what we are about to do is wrong. But your response is, I think I'm better than you. No, I think I'm trying to walk in integrity and you aren't. Different. Not trying to be better. See, and, and I remember, and I tell on myself, there were times in our relationship when we used to argue a lot. Say years ago. Years Say years ago. Years we used to argue a lot. And, and I always would say to myself, I don't know why I would do it. I would say to myself, I just ain't going to say nothing this time. <laughs> I would. Because no, she know. I would say, you know what? I just ain't going to say nothing. And she'd be talking and talking. And I'd be like, I just ain't going to say nothing. And she'd say something. I'd be like, well, you know what? <laughs> Downhill. Downhill. But you know what? And then, and then she, or, 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 or we would be arguing about something, and, and, and she would say that she wasn't going to say nothing. And she was, pretty, she was a lot better at holding out than I was. So, so I'd be just talking, 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 and, and, and she wouldn't say nothing, or she'd say this thing I used to hate. I'd be saying something, she'd go, God bless you. Hey, don't God bless me. Don't God bless me. No, don't God, God bless you. <laughs> Listen, I just... <laughs> God bless me used to send me over the edge. Don't, don't be God blessing me right now. <laughs> right. Don't be God blessing me. And I used to get so mad, and I would say, she thinks she's so holy. Can't stand her tail. <laughs> Why? Because when you begin to operate in integrity, and, and, and somebody's operating in integrity, it exposes your lack of integrity. Because in my mind, I'm like, she got me up here hollering like a fool, and she ain't going to say nothing. I'm trying to help you. So, so we have to get to the point where we understand that, number one, integrity is about us doing what's right because it's right. Amen? All right. Let me give you these four things so we can get out of here. I want to give, give you these four, these four things that, that deal Yeah, don't be God blessing me. <laughs> See, and the reality, the reality of this is that people used to think, me and Pastor Sean used to tell people what we did. And people would go, oh my God. Y'all used to do that. Well, if y'all do it too, y'all just don't tell nobody. We tell people so we can get some help. <laughs> so let me get, here, here are four marks of integrity. Four marks of integrity, okay? Number one, integrity means telling the truth even when it hurts. And it doesn't mean telling the truth to somebody else when it hurts. Because we're good at that. 
well, you know what? I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to tell you. That right there is not the kind of truth we're talking about. <laughs> yes. okay, That's not. the stuff you want to say. You just preface it with that other stuff to try to soften the blow. We're talking about the kind of truth that you can look in the mirror and say to yourself, here's what's true about me. The truth is I do have a bad attitude. The truth is I am hard to live with. The truth is it does have to be my way or the highway. The truth of the matter is I do withhold affection when I don't get my way. The truth of the matter is I do use money to take care of my sadness and depression rather than dealing with it. That is the reason I make bad financial decisions. I do, I do push people away because I don't want nobody to know how vulnerable I really am. Integrity says I tell the truth to myself no matter how much it hurts. Proverbs 12 and 17 says a truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells a lie. You can tell a lie to yourself. Proverbs 12 and 17. This is the thing I used to say a lot, and people who were close to me, I think they liked what I said, but they tried to live it, but because it wasn't their truth, they found themselves in a bad situation. Here's what I mean. Let me explain. I have often said throughout my life, my wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, they've heard me say it, people are close to me, no. I say, I really don't care what other people think. A lot of people say that, a lot of people don't mean that. I really don't care what other people think. Not in a mean way, but what I mean is, at the end of the day, if I gotta value somebody, you or me, I'm picking me. I'm picking me. So if you don't like me, I choose to believe the issues with you, not me. Now, that don't mean I'm not willing to be self-reflected, but if you just don't like strict, you got a problem. So, so other people go, yeah, that's how I feel too. I don't care what nobody thinks, but in your heart you care what people think. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with caring what people think, but if you care what people think and you try to live your life like you don't care, you're going to be sad. Because like, I don't care what people think. You're like, I wonder if they're talking about me. You walk into a room, they stop talking. I wonder if they were talking about me. I walk into a room, I figure people stop talking because my presence showed up. I'm like, they wanted to stop and see who I was. Not, not, in a, not in an arrogant way, but it's like, yo, if someone enters the room, it's like, oh, okay, who are you being introduced to the situation? Not, shh, oh, oh, they talking about me. So you got to know who you are and be true to yourself. Listen, if you don't like people knowing your secrets, quit trusting everybody the first time you meet them. The worst thing, I, 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 have a, I have one of my kids, and I talk to her about it. Everybody ain't your best friend. I hate that word in some way. They're my bestie. How you got 15 besties? Stop. 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 You don't have 15 besties. They ain't your besties. You can't have that many besties. The word best indicates that this the top. Everybody can't be your bestie. So you got to be able to be truthful with yourself. The reality of it is there are some people who don't like to be alone. You need to know that about yourself. Because if you don't like to be alone, when the devil, if the devil knows that, he'll send a counterfeit your way. And you'll accept the counterfeit because it's better than, be, than being with a counterfeit than being alone. But if you acknowledge that, you'll be like, you know what, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't like being alone. I don't like being alone. Instead of saying, Lord, give me a man or a woman, say, Lord, give me good friends. Alone don't always have to mean that you, you got to be booed up. Sometimes you can be booed up and be alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Point number two. <laughs> Point number two. 
And, and, the, and the reality of it is, is we've got to get to the place where we understand this. Point number, where are we? Point number two. The internet keeps popping me off my thing. <laughs> Point number two. Integrity means keeping a promise even when you would rather break it. How many of you ever told somebody you would help them do something three weeks from now? But when that three week came, you didn't feel like doing it. Be like, yeah, I help you move. When? Oh, in January. All right, cool. I got you. And when January show up, it's cold. Oh. <laughs> it's snowing. They forgot to tell you they live on the third floor oh. with no elevator. And they got two big couches. <laughs> no, that's not when you get a cold. Integrity says, <laughs> integrity says that if I promise to help you, I show up. <laughs> integrity says, so, so, so this, this, this is good though. So how do I avoid doing that? Psalms 15 and 1 says this. Who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live in your holy hill? He who walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. So if you want to get to the place where you can be a person of integrity, stop making promises you know you can't keep. Listen, it's not root. There are times, my, my wife is much more social than I am. I have learned over the years to be more social. Pastoring has helped. But I'm cool if I never went to another formal event. I'm cool with that. I don't need those kind of events. They don't do anything for me. I don't get any energy for them. But because I love my wife, when she wants to go, and she has numbered it to like two or three a year, and she can pick, but, but don't, don't do too many too early because you're going to be out at the end of the year. I do about two or three, and you best to space them out because I don't, I, don't, I don't do those kind of events. I don't like those. I don't get any energy from that. So when she says to me, hey, will you go to Celebrity Waiter? I say, I'll go to Celebrity Waiter, but that's one of yours. Okay? Integrity says you don't get to ask me to go to four. Right. So we got that. We know we're going to have some, some wedding. Some, somebody going to get married. That's one. That's one. I count weddings. I, listen, let, listen. If I am not performing it, you don't need me to be in attendance. I will buy you a gift. I will love on you. And if we got relationship, we'll go. But just because you get, just because you get married don't mean I got to get dressed up. <laughs> but, but here's why I do that. Because I, I don't want folk feelings to be hurt. I don't want for it to be like, well, I was getting married. I just knew Pastor Ed was going to show up. If you didn't ask me and I didn't say yes, then you can't be mad at me. All right? So let me get back because I don't want y'all to lose focus. How then, how then do we not do that? Number one, watch your words. Watch your words. Just because people are standing in the group and everybody's talking about what they're going to do and where they're going to go, you ain't got to be like, yeah, I'll go too. I, sometimes I just sit there and go, hmm, I won't go to that. Right. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah, I go, hmm. She'd be like, oh, me and Street can go there. I go, uh, you don't volunteer me. <laughs> you can go. And I don't have a problem with that, but don't volunteer me. <laughs> I don't make promises. If I tell you I'm going to be there, unless I'm dead or something happens that is beyond my control, yeah. I'm going to be there. Yeah. But I ain't going to tell you I'm going to be at everything. Right. 
ain't going to every baby shower. I ain't going to every wedding. I ain't going to every function. I'm not going to everything. The second thing you do is you make fewer promises. Stop promising everybody everything. Oh, yeah. Some people can't say no. And do you know people figure out you can't say no? So they ask you. In fact, I have a standard, and Chris and Tamara didn't know, I have a standard. If you ask me, if you're in my family and you ask me something, my standard response is what? No. No. Now, once I've said no, you have an opportunity to explain why I should say yes. But my standard response is no. Daddy, can I go down the street? No. <laughs> For what? I want to go down there and play with so-and-so. How long are you going, how long are you going to be down there? I said, just, just an hour? So can I go? Okay, yeah. <laughs> the truth. My standard response is no. I don't make promises. I cannot keep. So you watch your words. You make fewer promises. If you can't, don't say you can. If you don't want to, don't say you will. I tell people sometimes, I'm not late. I just didn't want to come. I'm not really late. I just didn't want to come and my wife made me come. So we're here. But I, I'm telling you, it, it, because it becomes an integrity issue. You tell people you're going to come to something and then you don't show up and they mad at you because you didn't come. When you could have just said, no, I can't do that. The Cowboys are playing. Come on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not coming to that. <laughs> people tried to make me feel bad because we went having church on Sunday, on the 25th. I'm like, look, there's a lot of places having church. You can go there. But here, we're not. Especially if you ain't really been here all them other 51 Sundays. Number three, number three, number three, number three. I ain't scared of y'all. Number three, integrity means that you confront problems when it, be, when it would be easier to walk away. Integrity says that if you say you're a part of this ministry and you notice something that's wrong, it's out of place, you don't just step over to keep going. You fix it. I like what they did this morning. They, the door was having an issue, and we know when that door come in, it pop and do all that. Well, I had never thought about really having people come through that door, but somebody took the initiative and put the sign on say, use other door. I was like, oh, yeah. That's how you deal with a problem. Don't be in here and be sitting in the chair and like, this chair broke. And then you get up and leave and don't say nothing. Tell us the chair is broke so we can remove it next time. You don't ignore problems. I tell my kids all, all the time when they're walking through the house, if you see a piece of paper, don't step over the piece of paper. I mean, you, 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 it's something you, you walking around it. Like, bend over and pick it up off the floor. Integrity says we deal with problems, we don't walk away from them. The same thing is true, whether it's at your job, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your kids, whether it's at church, confront the problem. Amen. Deal with it. Just because you ignore problems don't make them go away. Amen. It's like if your house had a leak, right, in the roof. It, it don't rain every day, so it don't leak every day. But how many know the problem's still there? Yes. And all it takes is, is one heavy rain to come and really make a total mess of everything. Well, that's how it happened with marriages. You ain't fussing every day, but you're not dealing with the problem when you're not fussing. So all it takes is one big problem, and it just caused the whole thing to implode. So you deal with the problems. 
You deal with it. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But what's the alternative? To just let it sit there and fester? Almost everybody I know, if you got a cut or something on your hand, you're going to do something to it. You're going to put some neosporin on it. You're going to put a bandage on it. If it's really bad, you're going to go to the doctor. You're going to get some stitch. You're going to do something. You're not just going to have your hand just gassed all open, just walking around talking about, well, it's all right. <laughs> but we do that with so many areas of our life. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. We, must we must learn to deal with, to deal with and, confront and confront our problems. Our problems. Number four. If you're going to be a person who walks in integrity, walking in integrity means being able to forgive even when you don't want to. Here's the thing about forgiveness. In reality, when we forgive, the slate is wiped clean. Now, what we say is I forgive, but I don't forget. And while I'm not an advocate of anybody putting themselves in situations to be treated inhumanely or, 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 or inappropriately, what I am telling you is, is that you cannot live a life where you are saying you forgive people, but everything they do, you're judging their actions based on what they did before you forgave them. You might as well just be honest and say, I don't forgive you. Because the worst thing you can do is to say you forgive somebody and then they do something and then what you do is mine and dig up everything that you said you have forgiven them for. Because if you have forgiven them, forgiving them means that you have turned the page. Nobody reads a book from back to front. So when you turn the page, you're going forward. I know somebody said that. Okay, if you're Hebrew, you do read a book from, but y'all ain't Hebrew, and most of y'all don't know Hebrew. So, so the reality of it is, those of you who even read books, you read them. <laughs> you read, you read them, you read them from front to back. And so you read them from front to back, and because you read them from front to back, you turn the page, and now it's something new. Amen? Amen. So forgiveness is this thing that we're always having to work on. We're always having to work on. Because here's what you got to say. Am I forgiving in the way that God's forgiving me? Am I forgiving somebody in the way that I want God to forgive me? When I go to the throne and ask for forgiveness, do I want to have to later hear God recite all of my wrongs? And because I don't, then I don't treat other people that way. Amen? Amen. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Close your Bibles, take your books, and whatever you got to do. Stand to your feet. We're going to make a confession as we leave today. I believe that 2017 has the potential to be a gold star year. I believe that you all who have put in the work in 2016 are ready for a harvest. I believe that as we prepare to move into 2017, that in spite of what any economist, what any political talking head, what anybody is saying, I believe that because we are in tune with God, 
that prosperity belongs to us. Amen. Prosperity in our health, prosperity in our finances, prosperity in our families, and prosperity in our, on our jobs, and prosperity in our church. I believe it belongs to us. And so as a result, we're going to make this confession. And when we make this confession, we're going to make it because we're asking God, we're, giving, we're asking God and giving God permission to check us when we're out of integrity. Yeah. The kind of check where when we go over a friend's house and they're watching a movie that's still on the, at the movie theater that came out on Friday and it's Saturday when you're watching it. You lack integrity. I don't care that you can get a fire stick. I don't care that you can jailbreak it. I don't care that you can download Cody. I don't care that you can get every channel and not pay cable. Ain't no blessing in that. You're stealing. And it's no different than if you went down to the bank and got you a couple hundred dollars every month. So you think you're saving money. You think you're doing something great. You're out of integrity. You're out of integrity. If they say you're not supposed to jailbreak your phone, don't jailbreak your phone. Amen. Amen. Man, light bulb. <laughs> Listen, it's out of integrity for you to go to the store where your friend worked and your friend to give you a 50% discount on something. Because your friend doesn't have that authority to give away somebody else's property. It's a hookup for you, but it's an out of integrity hookup. We spend so much time looking for the shortcuts that if we would just focus on doing it God's way, the shortcuts will find us. So we're going to make this confession. We're not going to be people out of integrity. Amen? Ain't nobody going to be mad. Ain't nobody going to be upset. But 2017 is going to be a year of integrity. You've been claiming kids you ain't really got. 2017 is your year to stop. Just don't, don't. Quit filing that social security number. Just stop. Just stop. You paid $100 a week for daycare and you saying you paying $250 a week. No. Claim what it is. Claim what it is. You know, I told this story. I said the Lord told me that... Uh, and I didn't even think it was that big a deal. I mean, other than the fact that they told me they were going to revoke my driver's license. But uh, years ago, uh, about three and a half. It's <laughs> 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 still years ago. So, so years ago, the Lord said to me, he said, you keep getting those tickets because you lack integrity. And I was like, what do you mean I lack integrity? I said, the cops just be tripping. <laughs> he said, no. He said, you don't see the fact that you speed as an integrity issue. He said, and if you did, you would stop speeding and you wouldn't get tickets. He said, you ever wonder why other people don't get tickets who drive just as fast as you do? I'm like, in fact, I do wonder that, Lord. Because <laughs> that red car passed me before the cop pulled me over. 
He said, because I've called you to live a life of integrity. He said, there's certain things I've asked you to do that I might not have asked other people, but it doesn't mean I hadn't asked you to do it. So I said, okay. I mean, I even told Pastor, I said, the Lord told me I was out of integrity for getting a speeding ticket. She's like, I told you that three years ago. I was like, okay. I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to speed anymore. Now, now, it's like saying you're going to stop smoking cigarettes and you've been smoking since you were 16. I've been speeding since I was 14. I was 41 at the time when the Lord said that. So I, I had become proficient. At speed, not eluding, speeding tickets, but at speeding. But I said, okay, if it's an integrity issue and I want to be an integrity, it's simple. Just don't speed. Use prior proper planning. Instead of saying, oh, I can get there in two hours, when it really takes two and a half, driving to speed it, leave early. So during this time, we were driving back and forth to Conway every Sunday. Back and forth to Conway every Sunday. And I want to tell you, I got a thing in the mail the other day from the Arkansas Department. Oh, come on. That little, little, that little, that little slip they see with the red envelope. And I opened it. And I already knew because I, I, had, I had, because one of the things I know is that if you're going to conquer something, you got to confront it. So I looked to see how many of those tickets were on there. You, when, I, when, I, when the Lord said it to me, and I saw that in March of 2016, if I didn't get any more tickets up until then, that six months from March, it would fall off. And they sent me a thing the other day, and they said, no traffic violations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> now, now, there were times where Pastor Sean be like, you need to pull over so I can drive. You're driving too slow. Because she said the Lord didn't tell her that. <laughs> But it, <laughs> she ain't had no tickets. But he told me not to speed. So I would say, as long as I'm driving, whatever that speed limit says, that's the match we're going to go. And I say that to say to you that if you'll ask God if there's an area in your life where you're out of integrity, he'll tell you. And it may not be the one you think. It may not be the one you think. He may say to you, you really don't need that, that glass of wine every night. Ain't nothing wrong with drinking wine, but you don't need it every night. He might say to you, in fact, I don't want you to have a glass of wine for the next 12 months. Or some of y'all right there just start scratching. <laughs> now, if you scratched or you flinched, you may want to talk to him about it. But when you begin to ask God those questions, he'll tell you. So repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Say, please help me. Please help me. As I move into 2017. As I move into 2017. To be a person. Of integrity. of integrity. Say, Father God, Father God without, you, without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. But through your, power, through your power, all things, all things are, possible. are possible. Say, help me, Lord, help me, Lord to, be truthful, to be truthful, to be honest, to be, honest, to be, open, to be open, and be straightforward, and be straightforward in, all in all of my relationships, in all of my dealings. All of my dealings. Say, help me, Lord, help me, Lord to be a man or a woman. Who walks, before you who walks before you with integrity of heart. With integrity of heart. Say, I believe, I believe that, when I do that when I do the things, the things that you've asked me to do, my life will be the better. Say, I believe the manifestation of this confession, of this confession right now, right now 
Say, I am a person of great integrity. God bless y'all.